Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. For those of you who don't know me, my, I'm, I'm Rachel Grant, and I'm a sexual abuse recovery coach, and I'm also the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, I am so excited to have here with me today my guest, Lisa Smith. We've been chatting via email and getting to know each other, and um, she's been following along with the year of self-care um, as well, and we've had, had some great conversations about that. And I'm really excited to be here with uh, Lisa today to explore this topic of innocence. I think this just comes up so often, um, the, the idea of the loss of innocence, the my innocence being stolen. These are phrases um, that I um, often hear uh, from my clients. And so we're going to hear more about her healing journey and this idea of restoring innocence. At the end of the day, Lisa is a voice of hope and courage. After years of depression and anxiety and hopelessness, certainly as a result of physical and sexual abuse, Lisa chose to prioritize inner healing and wholeness. 
She is passionate about helping others in their journey of healing from a traumatic loss of innocence. And she's a mother of four sons. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Men, Amazing. Raising up some amazing boys and also a co-pastor of a small revival church in the North Bay area of California. She's also recently published her first book. So y'all go out there and get this book, Restored Innocence. Um, so you can learn more about her journey and her story and get support around this. So Lisa, thank you so much. Welcome. So nice to have you here with me today. Yeah, thank you. It's really, it's like I said, it's been fun to follow along with the other things that you're doing and to have this opportunity is great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. So just as a, a starting point, I'd love for you to just share um, with the audience a little bit of your story, um, just kind of how you arrived here today, what life was like for you growing up, what your experiences were. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in a very, um, in a small rural town in Northern California and the conservative um, upbringing. My, I was the youngest of two kids. I have an older brother. And um, had a good relationship with my parents and childhood. And uh, in high school, when I started um, dating, I, I was 13. I turned 14 early in high school um, in my freshman year. And the boyfriend I had was, um, you know, kind of the classic, I've heard this story too many times, you know, where it's the friends don't, my friends didn't like him. Um, he was different than me and that kind of made it exciting and he was um, you know he I was like his what was going on in in him and it was like very very slow in the beginning very he was very kind and but but quickly I began to withdraw from all my friends and kind of pull again away against um, my family a little bit as well and and um, he was very respectful in the beginning, and then that changed, and um, he was just increasingly manipulative. It was difficult for me to recognize that. Looking back, I see all the warning signs. Of course, I saw them all after the fact, mm-hmm. but but not at the time. And so, um, you know, I started cutting classes with him and doing different things, and, um, and one day the plan was to go out to cut school and go off campus to go out to lunch and instead of going out to lunch he said he prepared lunch at his at his house and that his mom would be there he really wanted me to meet his mom and as it turned out she wasn't there and there was no lunch and um, my introduction to all things physical up to then it was I was very innocent and I wasn't prepared for what was what happened and you know there was there was no one there to hear my screams and so reached me on his mom's bed and um and I went back to high school bleeding and crying and devastated and yeah. apology and gifts and kindness and um I was full of shame and so kind of I honestly don't remember the couple of weeks after that. And then at one point he um, said he was going to, he was just being kind and I was trying to figure out what to do. And then he started showing up at my house and then at night and he would throw rocks at my window. The first time I went out, he had um, a surprise, you know, flowers for me and apology and, 
and um, and the next time and the next time there was no no apologies <laughs> and so our relationship kind of settled into this routine where I at school we were you know just a dating couple and at night he was it was I just was on call for to be his punching bag and his his pleasure and I didn't tell my parents I tried to tell a couple of friends and but I'd burned a lot of bridges you know and there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of trust and there was kind of some suspicion of like why are you saying this now and I also didn't come right out I I don't even know that I I didn't use the word rape until I was in college. I don't know. I um, I don't know how I would have described it at that time. I remember telling a friend and then um, one of the teacher's assistants at my school saying negative things about this relationship and then saying, well, just get out of it. And I said, I can't. I'm so afraid. And, you know, it's like that was yeah. looking back. I think that was my that was what I was capable of. And it was a cry for help. And, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't enough. And, or it wasn't to the right people, you know. And so eventually I got out of the relationship um, mostly by just um, employing the only strategy I had, which was to have my parents find out that I was sleeping with my boyfriend. And um, I knew from their values and their beliefs and their view of, of me and you know I I just knew that they would the iron yeah. yeah right nip that in the butt <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So that's I kind of let us get caught <laughs> yeah yeah ultimately I, that caused a lot of other difficulty in my relationship with my parents and a lot of it got it got wor- a lot worse before it got better in terms of shape mm. but it got me out of my relationship with him and then I just had to deal with his physical threats at school but um but things, you know, I wasn't, that ended our, our, that was the beginning of the end of our relationship. And that was right. Physical and sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Alisa, thank you so much for sharing your story so openly and so vulnerably. You know, I, I think about the space in which, you know, young love happens and we're so hopeful and innocent and wide eyed and willing and curious. And there's so many, interesting, good, fun feelings that are happening at that time in our lives and how um, everything, you know, got twisted and turned on its head for you um, and the way in which that manipulation of, you know, loving, nurturing, you know, gift giving and apology and and we just don't know. We don't have life experience. We don't have anything to draw upon in those times to to help us navigate that. And it, it breaks my heart, the ways in which you sought solace and comfort and, and help and support and um, couldn't receive it, didn't receive it um, and left to your own devices. Right. And so what a brave thing, you know, to kind of this, this smart young woman who's like, okay, I know I've got to get out of this, but I don't know how. And the only way I can think is to kind of fall on my sword a little bit is the idea. And, um, and then, yeah, all of the repercussions of that, I I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good, that's a good analogy to fall on your sword. That is, and yet it was, I look back and I'm, you know, I, w- I wish I would have done it sooner. You know, that, yeah. Even the one of the people that you had on recently talking about the 
prevention of of abuse that was so it was good for me um to consider you know now my I have um two teenage sons and one um nearly a teenager and and then my fourth is eight but um to realize how there's things that I have done so differently than my parents just in terms of being talking about sexuality and intimacy and talking about love, you know, what it should look like, you know, being open. Um, my husband and I in front of our kids so different than the, how I was raised in terms of that being yeah. oh, like that innocence again of um, feeling like, well, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. Mm, mm, if, right. If not, you know, if you've not seen your parents, I mean, I think the most I saw was, you know, my parents like give each other a kiss on the cheek when they were coming or going. There's not a conversation about what intimacy looks like and how it's supposed to build someone up. Then I'm like, well, maybe this is what happens to women. Oh, my gosh. It's such an important thing that you're bringing up, which is how intimacy and desire, pleasure, sex is modeled or not modeled, talked about or not talked about. And so when we're left to our own devices to come up, you know, with the idea, it is so easy to think, well, okay, I guess this is just how, you know, this happens and how relationship unfolds and what's to be expected. Um, Yeah. And then when you're not getting any, you know, immediate reaction of like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. That shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be the way it is. And yes, you know, you just kind of start to fall into it. And of course, you know, I'm sure the messages that this person was sending you as well, right, of like, oh, well, you made me do it. Like, I don't know if it was ever explicit mm-hmm. that way, but, pe- you know, it's very often in the lexicon or just in the energy of what's happening of like, well, I wouldn't do this if you would only do that, you know, that kind of thing. And then we start to think yeah. that we're in charge or in control of this other person's, you know, yeah. reactions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just the way things get worked out, I think. It's common as I talk with others who have had, you know, the experiences can be so different, but there's there are so many similarities in terms of how and how we process them, um, women and men both, in terms of that that tension between wanting wanting out, wanting it to end, trying to make sense of it, but then also feeling like it's your fault, feeling like there's some sense of control. I just, you know, there were t- plenty of times where. I, I would, you know, it wasn't where I was the, I was willing just so that I would not get beaten, you know, so it's kind yeah, of, right. It's like the, like, whatever, the idea of the lesser of two evils. Which well, is, yeah, like I'll do that so that I don't, yeah, this were harder to hide. I see. Yeah. Um, the outside stuff was harder to hide from, yeah. from my friends than what was happening inside. So the more willing I was, but that was confusing to me too. Like, well, then this is, I am choosing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of that, I think in terms of there's the physical robbing of innocence, but then all of that mind, all of that mental anguish is another kind of loss of innocence as well. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're worth, like you're diminished, your worth is diminished. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I sometimes I certainly felt worthless, but I mean, worthless. Like where yeah. yeah. I think that is also that's a different kind of loss of innocence that's slow and gradual and it can feel hopeless that that could ever be restored. You know, in terms of we hear it all the time, um, talking with people that have had whether it's childhood 
sexual abuse or other kinds of abuse, that feeling of, well, now, now I, you know, my future will forever be marked by this. And it's the way they feel like they're less worthy of good because of this event. Yeah. That's a whole other aspect of it. Yeah, agreed. I'm excited to kind of get into this topic. We're going to take just a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to really dive more deeply into this idea of innocence. What is it? What are we experiencing? What does it even mean to like reclaim it or restore it? Um, So let's take a, a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to put your fears of abandonment behind you so you can have happy, healthy relationships? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who have been abused. When it comes to abandonment, we are very much driven by the fear of the unknown. We don't know if the people we are connecting to may one day withdraw their protection or support. People always leave can be a common inner belief we hold. Boy, have I been there. And I am going to share with you what helped me put an end to this paralyzing fear in my Overcome the Fear of Abandonment Masterclass. By downloading this masterclass, you will gain access to my proven process that will help you feel more confident and secure so you can have relationships that last. I'll also help you identify the toxic behaviors that keep you trapped in a cycle of abandonment and fear, and I'll also help you explore strategies for putting an end to sabotaging all your relationships. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash abandonment dash class to get your MP3 of this masterclass today. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. So, Lisa, I really want to dive into this concept and idea of innocence. So let's just define it to start out. Like, What do you really think that this word means, represents? Yeah, I think that we tend to think of innocence in our culture as just not knowing, like the lack of knowledge or the lack of experience. And to me, it seems like it's usually used in a negative sense, like She's so innocent. You know, it's like a liability, like something that you wouldn't. Mm. Um, or we, and then we hear about innocence, I think, a lot in our culture with the loss of innocence. And it's always, to me, it feels like at least 90% of the time it's talked about as something that would never be restored. And so innocence is often linked to youth. And, and I think, I think it's kind of um, not in a traumatic way, of course, but I think that innocence is something that's not desired, that it is thought of something thought of as something for babies, something for mm. and that I think most people, if asked um, would about innocence, would would expect that that's, that's only natural that you would lose innocence mm. time. And yet, and yet I think that innocence is not just something that we should relegate to youth. I think innocence is necessary for relationships and for trust. You know, anytime, you know, setting aside abusive relationships for a moment, just healthy relationships, you know, we hurt each other. Friends hurt one another. Mm. Lovers hurt one another. There's, you know, someone making a bad choice or communicating poorly. And then um, there's the pain that goes with that. And so to regain trust requires some degree of innocence. And I think that to me, I would define innocence as this 
feeling of confidence of being accepted, being loved, feeling like you're like people are out for your good, not out to harm you. And the um, yeah, just kind of the self-confidence that comes with that. And I think it in children so easily. You see that that children expect that everyone is is there to enjoy them and to bless them, <laughs> to help them. And, yes. and that as we grow up, we start to, we do, I think it's natural, of course it's natural that some innocence is lost. And yet I think that when people get to the point, whether it's from abuse or, or not, of, of feeling like all of those are in question, am I really worth someone's best? Are people watching out for me? Mm. Am I the I'm the only one that can watch out for me? Those are all indicators of the loss of innocence. And then left left untended, I think it starts to inhibit trust. It inhibits being loved, not just loving us, but not just being loved, but also loving others. You know, you can protect, you can become so self-protected from harm that you are also protecting yourself from good. And so then mm-hmm. you might not be getting um hurt as much but you're also not able to receive the good the love that people are giving you is good and yeah that's a lot i think innocence is mostly defined by what it's not <laughs> come up with the definition of what it is that's why i say i think it's willingness what i'm really connecting to and what you're sharing there is willingness yeah innocence has this it, it drives this i'm willing to jump into this creek and see what happens i'm willing yeah. to grab onto this frog and feel it slimy who knows what's going to happen you like because there's this there's this not already knowing i love that yeah. like the idea that innocence is the, the lack of knowledge the lack of knowing and so we have a bit more curiosity and mm-hmm. willingness and openness and adventure and playfulness maybe even. Um, And that exactly, you know, when we have these life experiences, well, now I know something and that people can hurt me. You know, people can let me down. People can break my heart or break my trust. Mm -hmm. Then the challenge becomes to how do we continue to remain willing and open? I loved what you said there. Like we end up missing out because we become so guarded we yeah. stop believing and expecting the good in others and start just believing and expecting the negative or the bad or the harm yeah yeah that sense of doom that comes with doom yes of innocence that you start to expect mm. as opposed to mm-hmm. you know whether it's something like you said like touching something experiencing a new experience when a when a child comes upon something new their thought is interest and curiosity but if there's a loss of innocence, then that gets that gets turned to how could this hurt me? How could this be bad? Who's going to be disappointed? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. I think it's really um, this this idea that it's a, a use it or lose it kind of thing. <laughs> it's so fascinating, right? Like we only have this one period of life where we get to experience that or explore that. And I love that you're challenging us to think bigger and broader about that, to really begin to think about, no, actually, I can cultivate a mindset in the present day that is innocent, that is open, that is willing. Um, and and what would you say are some of the, the steps towards that? So we have kind of the concept and the idea, mm-hmm. yes, I'd love to do that more than this. I'd like to be open rather than guarded. I'd like yeah. to be a willing to create connection and to trust and maybe have more hope 
in people, right? Rather than just this despair or this doom that you described. What are some of the steps that somebody might have to take in order to cultivate that kind of mindset? Yeah. Well, first of all, I like, I think that the word cultivate is a really good word to use because I think it's something that grows, you know, like innocence is lost over time. Sometimes like in, um, in the, in a lot of people's situations with, um, with sexual abuse, it's, it's, there's a initial incident that where there's a, where there's a traumatic loss of innocence, but then oftentimes it's extended over a period of time as well. And so I think that the word cultivate is good because I think the regaining or the restoration of innocence is also a journey. It's not, there's not one moment like, okay, now I have it. And so I think, um, I think the, probably the most, basic step is is really deciding that you believe you're worth it and that it's attainable and I think you won't you won't really fight for something unless you're convinced that you can have it and that it's yours and that you're worth it and so I think those first steps of of for whatever kind of trauma people are are um, surviving and through is to look at how just to be kind to yourself and realize how much it wasn't in your control and to work through, like, this is something that happened, but it's not who I am. You know, it's what's happened to me, just like I'm more than the sum of what I've done. I'm also not just the sum of what people have done to me and to, to desire I have to pause you. That was so well said. <laughs> I am the sum of what I have done, not just the sum of what others have done to me. Did y'all yeah. write that down? Did y'all catch that? Because that's a word of wisdom from Miss Lisa today. Yeah. Like so often we just think about, yes, I am a product of the things that have happened to me, but it's your choices. It's your life. Yeah. It's the things that you're doing, the yeah. way that you're showing up. And yeah. that makes such a big difference too. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I just had to. No, <laughs> well, and we just, we tend to think of, we define ourselves, I think, so much, even by what we've done. And even that, we're not just the sum of what we've done either. Mm-hmm. Because often yeah. we're our own worst critic and some of what we think of are the negative things we've done. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, together. we are so much more than just that's a big call. I mean, I know when I was really in the depths of like the trauma and really was struggling to see myself outside of the context of the messages that I had received as a result of trauma, the ideas and beliefs that I had reinforced over time for myself, um, just through my own thinking and own behavior, you know, to sit in the space where I began to like open myself to that possibility that maybe I've got this wrong, <laughs> right? Like maybe all this stuff that's running around in my head is not really true. And, you know, the idea of worth and deservingness and um, just beginning to focus on how can I learn that? How can I take little steps every day to show myself that that is true? Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's getting, just getting that message out of the, the secrecy and the darkness of your own. Okay. Yeah. Pull it out and say, you know, I, I feel like I deserve less because this happened to me. You get that thought out of your, just out of your thinking. Mm-hmm. Say it out loud. You know, is that something that 
is that for, you know, to ask yourself, is that something I would say is true to someone else? If someone else were to say totally. it back to them, like, yeah. you're not worth less because this happened to you. Like this, or you're not always going to be defined by that. I remember thinking, you know, that classic onion analogy that's often used in counseling. I remember that in counseling and just thinking, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have an endless onion. <laughs> I, well, that's, and that's how it feels. And I remember yeah. a good friend, a life coach, saying to me, "Like, why do you, why are you so resistant? Like, why are you, why is that so hard for you? Like, you're not hearing it correctly if it's that painful. Mm. It's like a life sentence. Like, there's an endless onion, and your whole life, you will be finding another layer of this hell. Yeah. And it's well, like. Not so here and beyond surviving, baby. That onion is tossed out. No way. Yeah. yeah right? Distinguish so. between the part of our journey that is about recovery and the part of our journey that is about living life and yeah. facing what life brings. Um, but exactly that, how do we move out of a trauma mindset into yeah. a growth mindset and yeah. into a place where we can access, you know, parts of ourselves? One of my favorite sayings is, it's never too late to have a happy childhood, right? And like, we can just bring in, you know, whatever it is we want to bring in. If we're a breathing, if we're alive, then there is time and there is yeah. opportunity to yeah. do it differently. Yeah. And to say, like, yeah, to have that message be something that you you tell yourself over and over. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like the onion analogy, I at one point just had the the revelation of I just need to flip that completely. I'd always thought of it like I, I remember asking a counselor, will I be an 80-year-old woman and mm. be finding new layers of having been raped at 13 and 14 years old? And that that is the part of me that wants to like throw the onion out. The, you know, that's mm-hmm. oh, that's like what's with this effing onion? You know, and I remember like I had written it in my journal, and I showed I showed her, and she was so offended by that. And I was like, that's what you're saying. I'm going to be 80 years old, and I'm still going to be having another layer of this. And then at some point in my own journey, I just realized, no. Like, it was just kind of this resolute, like, putting my foot down. No, I'm going to be an 80-year-old woman, and I will be uncovering a way that I am, I will still, at 80, I will still be finding ways that I am stronger and more capable and more more wise and more of who I am because this happened to me, and it did not define me in ways that are all negative. Like, mm-hmm covering ways that this has defined me positively. And I think that's just that. I think that's a step. That's a, I think believing that you're worth that and that you can access it and then going after it in a dogged, perseverant way to where, keep looking for what, Mm -hmm. it overwhelms what overwhelms you. You know, like what is it that, um, yeah, continue to, persevere to find healing of the different things to forgive what needs to be forgiven and to forgive yourself definitely yes wow I love all that yeah I mean I'm just so present to you in what you're sharing I love the word dogged (laughs) like there's something also I think 
innocent. Like for me, I would put doggedness next to innocence. Like mm-hmm. when kids get an idea, like they're on it, they're going to do it. Like you cannot deter them, right? Like it's, they're going for it and they don't care what the obstacles or what anybody, that can't happen. I mean, even look at these, this is a, you know, a wild example. Like um, the star, my nephew, like decided I can fly. I absolutely can fly. He did, you know, he had no evidence to the contrary. So therefore it is true. And there was no stopping him. There was no reasoning with him. And he was going to take that jump off the roof. <laughs> and damned if he didn't do it. And, you know, I think that's a funny analogy, but to just take like there are these leaps of faith that we have to take. Um, and, you know, luckily we were down there to catch him. Right. And so then that's where support and community comes into play when we're talking about growth and healing that, you know, we're going to take leaps of faith and sometimes we're going to land and it's going to stick and we're going to be like, yes, got that, did that, you know, um, and then other times we might fumble mm-hmm. and kids do that too. Right. And all their innocence and, and having that safety net, having that support is another big piece of it. But we can't build that safety net. We can't build that support system when we're w- looking at others through the lens of trauma. Yeah. Because, again, just reiterating what you've been naming, right, we will only see people through the harm that people have caused us yeah. Um, yeah. rather than the potential for love and support that they could give us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another key is just finding people who understand and who are willing. They don't have to have been survivors of, of sexual abuse themselves. They just have to be willing to hear you and not mm-hmm. and to support that fight in you that says, I'm going to be like your title. I'm going to be more than a survivor. I'm not just going to have lived through this. I want to live as a result of it. I want to live in spite of it. I want to live past it and over it. And an overcomer that is stronger because of what could have taken me out. Like, it didn't take me out, but like, you know, I'm going to use that as a platform. I'm going to, I'm going to build there. And I think finding people, that's such a key that will support that fight with you and not let you settle. Yeah. Cheers to that. What are some of your favorite ways to cultivate innocence? Like in daily practices, are there any things that you just do that help you really tap into that energy? Yeah, I think um, finding things that I enjoy and choosing to prioritize them and to not just have, you know, so much of our life is focused on on what we give other people, but also self-prioritize your own, your own care. Like you're doing, you know, you're doing this year of self-care. I think prioritizing taking care of yourself, but having fun and discovering what how you can have fun is so important. And, you know, I, my journey looks so different before and after kids. I think kids help you cultivate innocence because. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you play more. You play Um, way more. Yeah. Yeah. And as my kids get older, the tendency is to play less and yet they still will. And so it's like, what new thing? I think trying to always be a learner, like discovering something. Yeah. I always wanted a rock tumbler as a kid and and I got one this year for mothers. You know, it's like a little hobby. Yeah. Girl, those rock tumblers are funny. My nephew's got some of one of those for Christmas. And they were so excited. We're gonna take these rocks, we're gonna turn them into gyms, and then we're gonna unpack it all. 
and put it together. I said, okay, so now you got to let this run for like three days. <laughs> like immediately, like what? Yeah. Totally. It takes forever. I want immediate gratification. <laughs> Where are my jewels? Right. <laughs> but I, I love that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't remember who it was I was listening to the other day. Um, but it was it was some documentary. But yeah, he the guy was talking about his mom and how like she's seventy years old and learning, you know, how to play the ukulele or something like that. Like exactly. that mindset of, you know, ever learning, ever, you know, ever the student, right? Keeps yeah. us young, keeps us interested, keeps us, you know, out of getting really stuck in old routines and mm-hmm. getting law life getting a little bit blah or mediocre, but to continue to kind of find new places of vitality and interest. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, new people engaging with people. people yeah, people that are in different, all different ages and stages of life than you. You know, yeah. so it's just I think trying to, yeah, having to focus on what's new is is helpful for cultivating innocence for sure. I love that. Awesome, Lisa. Any final thoughts? Anything that you want to leave our listeners with today? Um, yeah, I think that I just would encourage everyone listening that you consider um, that as hard as you would fight for someone else to get what you believe is the very best for them, that you're worth that as well. And that you're worth even more than that. Like you, you are worth your own best fight. And as much as you would give someone else that you can give that for yourself too. And your own healing journey is worth, is worth the best you've got to give it. And don't stop until you have that sense of that sense of innocence that says, I have an outlook at life that it's gonna it's gonna keep getting better. The best is yet to come. Sort of Love that. Listening hope. Yes. Oh my gosh. Lisa, thank you for those words of wisdom and encouragement and inspiration. Really powerful. I hope you all will will listen and take that to heart. What a a call to action to fight for yourself as much as you would fight for someone that you love. Amazing. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Lisa. It was so sweet to have some time to connect with you and talk with you. I want you. You're welcome. Yeah, I want to remind you all to hop over to Amazon and pick up Lisa's book, Restored Innocence. There will be a link here in the show notes. You can also connect with her on Facebook, and I'll also include that link. And as always, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening and joining us today. And as always, if you'd like to make a donation in support of the podcast, go to bit.ly slash beyond surviving podcast donation. All contributions are applied towards funding scholarships, the running of donation-based and free programs, and making sure that those reaching out for support get what they need. Visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and see the other resources there. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a note, and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.